This is Taylor Hearn with the Texas Rangers. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast with Jeff and John. Jeff Wilson started covering the Texas Rangers in 2008, though he'll never forget 2021. Out on his own, he decided it was time to do a podcast, but his wheels were spinning until a nerd came along. There's no going back now. Welcome to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. Here's your host, Jeff Wilson, and the recliner nerd himself, John Moore. All right, everyone, and welcome once again to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. This is Episode 7, and today, Texas Rangers Manager Chris Woodward, and this is why I joined this thing. Jeff, way to go, man. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, you know, it, it, the se- the season's over, and I, I was trying to think who who would, would be a good fit for this episode, and uh, why, why not the manager? I mean, he's, he saw it all up close and, and, and personal, and... Uh, I think he took a lot of it personally, knowing him and how much he doesn't like to lose and just how hard this season was on him. So uh fear we get him on and see what he's got to say. I think he's back home in Arizona. So uh, uh, maybe get him, get him a little bit relaxed the, in the home office. Yeah, and w- let's do all of that right after this. We're going to go to our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Superior Sports Investments. Established in 1995, they carry one of the largest graded card inventories in the country with the widest variety of BGS and BCCG and PSA graded sports cards. Unlike other online sellers or auction houses, they own their entire inventory. They don't take consignment, no auctions, so they take pride in every sale that they make. They make sure every card they sell is the highest quality item possible before it leaves their hands and packaged safely and securely. Visit their eBay or Amazon stores to see their entire inventories or browse superiorsportsinvestments.com. That's superiorsportsinvestments.com. And use the promo code THANKS5 for a discount. Okay, so look, you you sent out some ideas of stuff we could talk about. And before we do that, um, I want to do this every once in a while. First of all, guys, you, you can't forget to go... Go sign up for, for jeffwilson.substack.com, the Texas Ranger baseball newsletter. you got to go read this stuff. There's great stuff coming out every day. Stuff you put out for Friday was good. You went down in the farm today. Uh, I call it down in the bus leagues. That's just for this yep. show. Um, but but you went down there today. The dog videos are some of my favorite. I've got two dogs. I, I'm determined my dogs are going to do something you're going to put on that because they're, they <laughs> I, we get enough funny videos of them. But uh, you guys have got to sign up. And, hey, if you like these podcasts and maybe you want to just listen to the guys we're talking to go to the youtube channel the texas ranger is it the texas ranger baseball podcast yeah Uh, yeah. search for that search for that just texas ranger and we've got these split up where you can see ricky venasco you can see john daniel you'll be able to see chris woodward once we we get this all together but that that's been a lot of fun and and uh and we've got a great editing team and producer for the for the uh youtube channel yeah she works cheap and uh you know i just (laughs) Just got to tell her she looks pretty every once in a while. Yeah, so. she's the boss, though. She does. <laughs> yes, and she's the boss, though. I know that. I have one of those at my house. I call her my event coordinator. She tells me where I'm going and what, where I need to be. All okay. right. Well, that's good. I know. Okay. So real quick, one thing we did and in, in, at the last game, uh, I put this out there. Uh, I said I, I wanted to come out. Uh, Jeff covers the day-to-day. He's a beat writer. He covers the day-to-day. He writes up the story every dot and do it. I don't have to do that as much anymore. I don't, and I'm not, no one needs to read mine. I thought it'd be fun to go out in the stands and talk to somebody every once in a while and just get a fan perspective. Uh, one guy that's followed me back from the old days was there. 
Turned out to be his first time. His name's Adam Gordon. Went out and sat down with Adam just real quick. So just I went out and said hi, and believe it or not, it was his first time at the game. Let's just hear his take on the season. Hey guys, it's John Moore, the Recliner Nerd. I'm sitting here with Adam Gordon, who's a good a good follower out there. I've, Adam's followed me ever since the old days, but uh, I didn't really. This is your first game out here. Yeah, this is my first game at the new stadium. But how long have you been a Ranger fan? I am a Dallas native, so I've been a Ranger fan my whole life. So you've been to the old ballpark. You just hadn't been to this one yet. Yes, I've been to the previous two. So. The, the previous two. So you go back to my – you date back to where I'm at. Yes, yes, absolutely. So what what kept you from getting here this year? Just uh, the time to get all the way over here? Yeah, part of it's the time. And, it, you know, as much as I'm loyal and I love the Rangers, it's kind of hard to be enthusiastic after the kind of year that we've had. So what do you think about – I know that no one's happy with how the season ended, but are you excited to see what happens this offseason? I absolutely am. Um, I, I'm a big fan of our minor league system. I go to a lot of our Rough Rider games, and our minor league system right now is very strong. So as bad as the Rangers are right now, I think it's, it's good to be optimistic because we have a bright future. Hey, I tell you what, before we get out of here, so have you listened to the podcast? Yes, I have, and I really enjoy it, and it's great. You have a wonderful outlook, and so does uh, Jeff. Yep, Jeff Wilson. And I think everyone should listen. It's the Texas... Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast, so give us a plug. Hi, my name is Adam Gordon, and I think everyone should listen to the Texas Rangers Baseball Podcast. Thanks, Adam. It was Bye. fun to meet you. Okay, so that's Adam. Hey, Adam, thanks a lot, and Adam uh, was a big... Uh, it was it was big of him to sit down. He was a little nervous there, but that that was nice to have him come on. Yeah, Adam, thanks. Uh, I, I I see your tweets. I appreciate I appreciate it. Uh, I know you're reading us, so that is good. And I know you're listening to us. So everybody, be more like Adam. <laughs> be more like Adam. Absolutely. Okay. You sent me out some ideas of stuff to talk about, and I think that we're not going to get into free agency, all of that. We had plenty of time to get into that stuff, maybe some people they can target. target. But you wanted to talk about some stuff uh, with what, what I thought and what you thought about the seasons going into it. And, uh, you know, I think one of them was, you know, hey, what, what do you think, like, uh, some of the positives? What are some of the positives this year? What were your positives? What did you see? Yeah, you know, uh, there 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 were some some players who I thought developed, and we'll kind of get into them here in a minute. But um, uh, among the positive things, um, they got they they got through 162 games. All right, I mean, I I know that sounds uh, uh, kind of like why is that positive when they lose lost 102 of them, but a lot of them had never done it. Most of them had never had never done it. You you know, you talk about Nate Low. Uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa had never played every day for 162 games. Adolis Garcia <laughs> hadn't done it at the major league. So, uh, it, and it's a big deal. I know he's 28, but you know what? He's still a rookie. It's still, it was still all new to him. And, uh, so I think that that experience is a legitimate thing. And I know uh, Chris Woodward will talk about it. John Daniels has talked about it. You got to learn how to be a major league player. All right. I mean, you can't, they can't all just step out on the field and be, and be Mike Trout. And so exactly. that, that's probably that's probably my number one takeaway. Uh, John, why don't you take one, and then we, we can just kind of go back and forth. You know, when you when you got to look positive, look, it's real easy to go in. There, there's some guys that, 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 that we can see positive as far as players go. You can see Taylor Hearn, Dane Dunning, uh, Adolis Garcia, obviously Kiner Falefa, the way he had the – he started off – 
great. Then he had the little lull there where he went into the and worked his way out of it. That's great and all that. But one guy really catches me because the first year we did a, I, I was with uh, you know Chris Halleck and 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 yeah. uh, and uh, we we got together, uh, me him and. Uh, Alex, uh, and we all got together and we're just doing predictions for the roster uh, going on. And yeah. I had everyday third baseman starting lineup, Andy Abanez. And because I knew Josh Young wasn't going to make the team probably coming out of spring. And it was before he even got injured. I just said, I thought Andy Abanez w- was going to be the guy because the way he had been hitting. Of course, then the defense, he, he went out and then the, the, it was like the day before the first spring training game. And all of a sudden, mm. <laughs> all the, the, the errant throws and all of that. He ends up yeah. coming up, though. He was a very good positive. He solidified a bat. He played some good defense. He could be a DH. He's going to be a utility guy if he needs to be. I don't see him as an everyday starter in the big mm-hmm. leagues unless there's an injury. But, man, that is one guy right there that I thought was a positive. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, and, and really even the, the defense was, was – and when you want to look at positives about Andy Ibanez, the defense was a positive considering the reputation he'd had. Right. In, in spring training, he was throwing the ball all over the place. You know, he, yeah. He, he was having some trouble there, especially from third. Um, so I, I think that's what led to the Culberson-Holt combination there. I think if Andy had, had shown a little better defensively, maybe he does open the season there. But uh, when he got first called up, you know, he, he was just keeping Holt's spot warm. He got his first hit. Great. Uh, came back and, and was a little better. But then he just kind of took off. Yep. You know, he, he really – he had that 11 game hitting streak in August that unfortunately ended the game. He was, uh, he was injured. He had to go down and, and do a rehab assignment, but he came back and, and, and picked right up where he left off. So, you know, he, he, he had some power, he hit some doubles, uh, but he hit for average and, and look, the, you know, this team is so starved for offense. Yes. They, they can't not acknowledge what he did and think, and just, and just talk, cast it aside. So I think that you're right. He's probably not going to be an everyday player in the major leagues, I think he could be a capable, uh, you know, two-week uh, everyday player for a, a Josh Young goes on the IL or, sure. or whoever's playing second base, first base. Um, so uh, I, I look, I look forward to to Andy seeing Andy next year. And uh, you know, he's had a long journey coming from Cuba. Right. Uh, heck of heck of a nice guy. You know, every day comes out of the dugout, says hi to everybody, including us. And mm-hmm. um, so. Uh, a, a guy you can root for with a, with a nice backstory, you know, five years in the minors. So good, good story there. I, I agree with you. And, and, and he, you know, he would have been one of the, uh, on my list of, of players, key developments. That's one, uh, you know, I, it, it's hard to ignore what Taylor Hearn did. Oh, man. Um, you know, uh, six foot six left-hander uh, was, it was a really good starter in the minors. Didn't really get that chance last year with the Rangers and, uh, you know, why, why not try it this year? I, I think, uh, you know, he, he did start in the bullpen. Um, and what he did was, was really, really good. And, um, you know, I, 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 I would be very surprised if he didn't open in the rotation next year and, I, I, and, me too. and, and stick, you know, I mean, he threw around a hundred innings and then some of it was in, in relief, but I think he could, uh, give him 120 innings, which is probably, you know, 25 starts and, and this team's going to need starts. So, um, that, that's good. And then, you know, obviously Adolis Garcia, um, you know, the, the first half of Dulles was great. Second half of Dulles was, uh, not as good at the plate, but you throw in the defense and just, you know, he, he shows up and he plays hard. He needs to make more contact obviously, uh, going forward, but, 
it's hard not to to at least look at him for the next couple seasons as a as a everyday player. Well, what he did that night against the Angels, uh, Ooh, you you were, I was there and you were there too. That catch he made, first of all, I thought he was hurt after he made that <laughs> catch going over. Yeah. But then I I'll, I was sitting up there. I was actually sitting up up there. Sometimes I'll run, wander around in the stands, like I said, with Adam. Uh, but I was sitting up there, and it went at him, and I noticed the guy getting off first, and I thought, you know, that guy's playing with some fire here, and good right. Lord if he didn't throw that thing on the money back to double him off. I mean, you right. cannot take away. That's why everyone loved Joey. For Joey's issues at the bat, and we know he can hit a ball 780 feet, he gave 180% out there, and he was a weapon in right field, and Adolis is right there. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> – Fans like people who play hard. Yes. You you can tell when somebody's playing hard and when somebody isn't. Yep. And then, you know, you want an all-around player. You want somebody who's going to help your pitcher out and get outs when you shouldn't. And, you know, those are the things that help win games. You know, the plays like that. You look at, you know, he, tie, he tied for uh, first in, in the league in outfield assists with Hunter Renfro from the Red Sox. And yep. Uh, I think it was 16 apiece. Well, I'll tell you right now, the Red Sox needed those 16 outs. You know, you look at the way they had to get into the playoffs and in the wild card, they absolutely needed those outs. So that's kind of, you know, it it, it could happen that, that you know, you can change, you can change a, a team's fortunes defensively if you have the right guys in the right spot. And imagine him. I mean, look, he did struggle the second half uh, a little bit at the plate, but imagine that guy, when you make a mistake to Adoli's, he can make you pay for that. Uh, he did chase some pitches out of the strike zone in the second half of the season, but he was really kind of the biggest threat in the lineup in the second half of yeah. the season. You get Killed any threat, bats yeah. around that guy where you have to actually come mm-hmm. at him and can't afford to walk him because he is fast on the bases, too. Um, I, it's going to be better for him. Uh, it, it, and maybe what we see the second half, maybe that's kind of what he is. He's got power. Maybe he's only going to hit 240 to 250 or whatever. That's still a great I – mean, he's got capabilities to go above that. That guy is a solid big league player, and he's got 30 home runs a season in him. I mean, and we saw yeah. it. The, the, and he should get better. I mean, this yeah. is his this is his rookie year. He learned a lot. Yep. And uh, he's going to have a lot to uh, work on this offseason, and um, he, he really should – you know, he, he seems like he's, he's a, a smart enough guy. You listen to the way the hitting uh, former hitting coach uh, Louis Ortiz talked about Adolis and Chris Woodward talks about the conversations that he has and the adjustments that they can see him make. It's just a matter of doing it over 162 games. And yeah. you're really hard for, for veterans, let alone guys doing it for the first time. Okay, so we got to go into some negatives. I mean, who were some yeah. players that took a step back, or maybe some negatives uh, that that we saw? Yeah, you know, I I, I hate to say it because because he's such a good guy, but but Nick Solak, you know, he had that he had that tremendous uh, April, and it looked like he was you know gonna gonna take off and 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 be the guy that uh, the Rangers hoped he would, and and you know, come three months later, he's he's had to be sent down to AAA. Uh, he he came back and was better. I don't yep. think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, he 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 hit a lot. He didn't hit many balls in the air. I think that might be some a little bit of a concern. You know, you he he does have power that that you would like to see. Um, but I think second base is now now wide open going into into next year. Yep, I do too. Um, he might be the favorite. Uh, Abanez is right there. I think um, so. Uh, but but you know, to to clear out Odor. 
which I, I think was a, a move the organization needed to make sure. anyway um, to, to kind of anoint Nick as the second baseman. Uh, it, it just didn't work out. So, you know, I don't, I don't like to, you know, t- tag somebody like that, but I think he's, he's probably not thrilled with the season either. And then uh, a- another one, which, uh, you know, it, it, it's half good, half bad. Uh, Leody Tavares, uh, he didn't have a, obviously had a horrendous April right. uh, batting like 087 or whatever it was. Um, but he came back and he was a lot better. Sure. He, he looked more confident. He hit for some power. Uh, he does strike out more than he probably needs to. Uh, he's a switch hitter, though. Awesome defensively. Incredibly fast and a good base runner. So if, if this guy can hit 250, he's sure. very serviceable major league player. He, he really is. Because of his uh, defense, especially. He is a right, stellar the defender. Is he, he, you can stick him at the bottom of the order. Uh, he's going to be a, a plus defender. And and at Globe Life Field, which is so big, yeah. uh, with him in center, and if Garcia, who has played the center, is the right fielder, and let's say DJ Peters, who can play center, not a lot of hits are going to fall in, or no. not as many. So He's a joy to watch. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I sit up in the same place. Up there, and if, if, if from that angle, if if you guys could see when a ball is hit, it looks like a gapper, and you see Leoti run that ball down, he doesn't look like he's running. Fa- it's so weird to see it, and you're yeah. like, he's going to get to that, and he'll get to something. It's amazing to watch. It's it's speed like you don't see a lot. And a lot of times, he doesn't just get to it. He, like, gets there and camps under it. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's plays that other center fielders don't make. Exactly. So that, that – that is a that's that's a positive, but there's still the big question with the bat. And I was I was hoping to see more from it uh, based on his last year, but also you know he's 22, never had played at AAA, so um, it it probably isn't a surprise that he struggled. But it's still um, you know a, li- a little disappointing. Okay, so let's go to some positive developments or trends. What are some positive developments or trends? And we'll include the minor leagues in this. Um, yeah. Because for me, positive development was the minor league system. I mean, it's hard to argue the whole system and the talent that 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 you always hear about talent we have that's never above high A. Now you got talent yeah. at double A AA and triple A. That's one of mine. What are yours? Some of your positive developments. Well, I, w- I would I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, it, it's not just that they you know they jumped up in Baseball America's rankings and sure, MLB.com's yeah. rankings. Um, it's, it's that they add, they added depth through the trades. Um, and, and these are good players, right? Like Ezekiel Duran, who came in the, the Joey Gallo trade is a top 10 prospect for the Rangers. So was Josh Smith and you saw Glenn Otto debut. It wasn't great, but this guy was also running on fumes. So, um, that that's good. You know, jo- Josh Young, I know, I know he missed a, a big part of the season to start. But what, what he did, he, he did very well, very, very well at double A and then went to triple A and did even better. Uh, he finished the year on an 18 game hitting streak. Oh, man. Uh, he, he batted 348 at triple A. And I, I know it was it was fewer games than he had at double A. But yeah, I, it, it, that that right there, I think, tells you that, that this guy, this guy's going to be the opening day first baseman. I would just be third baseman. I'd be, third baseman dang it i, I keep saying that you, you be, said that be, on the other one <laughs> yeah yeah it's ridiculous i'd be i'd be floored i'd be floored if 
he wasn't the opening day third baseman. If he's not the opening day third baseman, it's not good news for the Rangers because my guess it's some, some sort of injury. That and that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that that honestly, that's the only way. Sure, he could stink up spring training, and maybe they want to keep someone around a little longer because they don't have to put him on the forty. So maybe they say, you know what, just start there, get your feet under you again. But he's not yeah. gonna by the end of April. Uh, it's gonna be totally flooring to me if he's not the everyday third baseman, unless there's I, an injury. I agree. I agree. And then, uh, you know, a, another another thing, and I wrote about this this week, uh, and it's it's really throughout the system, not just at the big leagues, but the Rangers avoided like the catastrophic rash of injuries that they had been unable to avoid. Yes. And and I think that's particularly big because you're coming off uh, the COVID season, and um, you know, on the minor league side, these guys didn't play. And so that, that exactly. tells you that that player development had set up a good plan for those guys last year to, to keep throwing and to stay active and to be ready when spring training came along. But you also saw a ton of injuries throughout the majors. And it just seemed like the Rangers were able to, to avoid that. I know, you know, they, they end like, you know, Ari Hara and John King had, had thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, Ronald Guzman blew up his knee there early in the season, but there, there weren't just, and it was, and you know, there weren't just the debilitating injuries. Kyle Cody is probably the, the more concerning one because yeah. um, he's going to be out. It sounds like <clears throat> until the middle of next summer, um, but that's it. And, and, you know, on the minor league side, Dane Acker, who came in the, the Elvis Andrus, uh, Chris Davis trade, he had to have Tommy John surgery. Uh, Evan Carter hurt his back and, and, and didn't play after, let's say, early June or late May. Um, but he's supposed to be healthy. Uh, TK Roby is back. Uh, he hurt his elbow. He pitched, shoot, yesterday. Yeah, it looked at, good. Uh, yeah. At, you know, one scoreless inning at Instructs. <clears throat> Even Asco's healthy, ready to go, our, our good buddy from a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So just a lot, of, a lot of good things happened on the medical front, as, which for this organization has been a bit of a, a rarity. Well, they got, they, you know, can we say the deload program was a failure? I mean, that, that, that one, and, and you know what, and you can't even really stress that that's what caused those rash of injuries. I think it may have been just pure unlucky coincidence, but they certainly took a look at it. I think on the, on the negative side, I I agreed with you. I agree with you on, on Solak. I thought so. I had Solak written down, uh, as one of the negatives um, on the development, we'll, we'll do that in a second on the negative, but I think Kyle Cody injury, uh, cause he, they didn't do anything for a long time. So they waited right before they did the surgery. And now he is yeah. going to miss. Cause that was a promising, the way he came in at the end of 2020, um, he looked pretty good. He looked like this was a guy that looked like he was going to start in the rotation in 2021 after coming back from Tommy John. Um, so um, that, that was a big blow. Another depth they've got in this organization once he's healthy, uh, but he's on the he's on the forty man, and that's yeah, that's that's a big question right there. Well, and you know, it started out they call they initially called it a a, a bruised shoulder, so like a, a bone bruise, um, you know, and then it ended up he had surgery for a labrum debridement debridement, whatever he whatever the terminology is. I'm 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 not a doctor. Um, you know, the the labrum must be tricky because ultimately yeah. the labrum is what was jerks and profiles. Yeah. His kept, problem didn't he kept saying, They kept saying it was the terrace major muscle, which is right back by, I guess, kind of your, your shoulder blade and uh, lat area. But, um, 
it ended up being he had a torn labrum and it took him more than a year to find it. So I don't know if, if, if discover, you know, you, you, you diagnose one injury and you kind of discount the others and then you go back when it keeps happening. I, I don't know, but um, it, it is unfortunate. You're right. Because at one point it sounded like he would be back, but um, instead he, he had to undergo a pretty, another pretty significant operation. So what do you think is the biggest disappointment of the year? Did you have one that was like just a disappointment? Well, yeah, you know, 102 losses is, is, is disappointing. I mean, this team was not set up to win. Um, And there's a reason why they, they lost 102 games and you can point to inexperience, but I think that the, the cupboard was pretty bare. I, you know, the, the Rangers needed to find out, who they had in the system at the upper levels of the system who were championship players. And I think they got their answer and it's not a very good answer. Right. You know, I think they, they don't have as many players as I, you know, as I'm, I thought that I'm, I'm sure they think they were hoping they had. Um, and, and then, you know, following the, the trade of Gallo, uh, you, you know, there, there were a couple injuries in there that got like Yanni Hernandez to the major leagues um, yeah, they're just guys. They're just guys on that who finished on the on the active roster who are not major leaguers, right? And um, or, or or not full time players, right? I'm everyday players. So that that I think <clears throat> serves as a, as a disappointment, kind of kind of a, a jolt of reality, you know, kind of you know, and and, and maybe that is why ultimately um, another disappointment, <laughs> Joey Gallo was traded. Um, and Kyle Gibson too, but I'm, I'm, you know, I've known Joey since he was drafted and uh, yeah. he, personally, you hate to see it go. Uh, he is a unique guy. I think he was a good fit here. I think he felt comfortable here. I think he's going to get his best production here. Um, but uh, he's, uh, you know, it's just one of those, one of those circumstances where um, a, a team in this, in this situation uh, who didn't feel that didn't feel like, they would be able to resign Joey Gallo and to trade Joey Gallo. And, and yeah. uh, I know that disappointed a lot of people, including my nine-year-old son. Yeah. So, uh, I, but again, just not, not having the talent, I think is, is the overriding disappointment. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk of Joey maybe coming back after the contract. First of all, next year, the, the Yankees are going to have Joey Gallo on the roster next year. They're not going to get rid yeah. of Joey Gallo. So for everyone right. saying, oh, well, they're probably just going to non-tender him or whatever, that ain't happening. They're going to they're gonna ride him for the year and see if they couldn't move him anyway. Maybe there's a chance Joey comes back. I don't know if the numbers were even close when they were trying to talk to him to extend him. Um, they weren't. They, they weren't. weren't. And, yeah. and he's got Boris, so Boris is probably no – you know, if, if, if Joey has a bad year and, and struggles – Maybe if it's affordable, but I mean, you got to get your money when you got to get your money. Right. Right. Well, and, and, you know, there, there are people who, uh, I know we're telling Joey, if this is where you, if Texas is where you want to be, you're going to be just fine with, let's say a hundred million dollars. You know, you don't, you don't need to try for 250 or 300 million. Right. You know, you're, and you're, you know, he would have been young enough. He could have signed a shorter deal. Could have, could have hit free agency again later on and, and gotten another contract. Right. Uh, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't want him to have a bad, a bad season next year. I mean, I you know, ah. personally knowing the guy, I know how bad he wants it. And uh, maybe he, he, he will get comfortable um, 
in New with York. the changes, with the the vicious crowd. But I mean, he needs to be comfortable with uh, the hitting coach and and needs to needs to speak the same language. So maybe an off season working with with that uh, that in, staff, in that yeah, that staff will will really help him. I tell you who I was disappointed with this year. One of the players I was disappointed with, who I thought when they signed him, this could be another Gibson oh, Lynn, somebody that they could flip into something was Fulty, uh, Fulton yeah. Image. I mean that guy, what he did at Atlanta. I mean ninety-seven mile an hour fastball he can throw, um, but there were times, Jeff. It, there were times he looked like he just was didn't even want to be there. He didn't even want to be out oh, on the yeah. mound. He just looked like, you know what? Screw this. I don't even want to be here. And yeah, and that, he had no value whatsoever added to himself. And I guess he came out of the bullpen there at the end and was okay. But uh, yeah. I mean, but that that was a big disappointment. And and the guy that disappointed me too, um, and it was just on a personal level. He didn't really get a shot, so it, I, I'm not totally disappointed. But you know, we when we saw Curtis Terry come up and and he yeah. just couldn't get anything going. I'm not saying Curtis Terry is not a big league hitter. That's that's stupid to say that after what he's done throughout the minor leagues. It was disappointing that he didn't even get a hit. But uh, that's a guy that uh, – well, he got a hit. But, I mean, that he didn't drive one out of the park. <laughs> but um, th- that, that was a little disappointing. But, you know what, he ended right where he needed to be. We'll see what happens there. The problem with Curtis, unfortunately, is there's only one place you can put him besides DH, and that's first base. He can't – And there's some question about that. Yeah, so. and so and, and he's a sweet guy, really nice guy too. Just uh, – Yeah, uh, Okay. All right, so what are the – what? who was the best player this year? Well, it was, it was a Dulles. Right. Um, you know, I, I just, we talked about it, the, the power defense speed combination, uh, a lot of energy too, you know, that that's something, that's something, uh, he, he, you can't, you can't say that a Dulles Garcia didn't play hard. And okay. Who was uh, second? That, that's an easy one. Who's the second best player. <laughs> that ain't easy. Uh, uh, Abagnes, maybe. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I would, I would probably, I would probably say, and and I might get some disagreements on this, but uh, I, I really like, um, I like Nate Lowe, Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah. Um, you know, he he went through a, a stretch there where he didn't do a whole heck of a lot, uh, but he does get on base. Yeah. He showed a lot more later in the season. Um, he's a he's a a, a guy who you who you can clearly see fits, uh, you know, the culture, a good guy, uh, never satisfied, you know, brutally honest and hard on himself in zoom calls. Right. Uh, so I, I, I do like him. And I think there's some, I think there's some reason for optimism there. You, you do see the power of the 460 foot home runs. Yeah. Um, he, he needs to be able to catch up to the fastball. I, I, that just, I'm sure that he's hit a fastball every other year of his life. Yeah. So, it seems like that's something that's easy to fix. And if you can turn those 17 or 18 home runs into 25 or 30, you, you, you might have a, a solution at first base. Yeah. And you know what? And this is a guy that could, could be a seventh, seven hole hitter and, and with a yeah. better lineup and a seven hole hitter, you are going to see better pitches. That's just the way this game works. They're not going to walk Nate low every time. It, and, and he's going to see more pitches. He was one of the better bats in the lineup. And look, if you can pitch around Nate low and not, you know, and then catch him off guard and yeah, you're right. The fastball, he was struggling with that fastball, um, but he made some adjustments. Um, you know, we'll talk to Woody about that and see what he thought. But uh, I, no, I, I see low, low could, it, without a doubt, could be your everyday first baseman. There could also be someone come in and do yeah. it, but but I do like his bat. 
Yeah, yeah. And then, again, I just think he, he seems like a real good fit, too. What about pitcher of the year? Who's the best pitcher of the year? Well, you know, the, I, I wrote about this today, too. The, the media voted on it, and uh, Dane Dunning emerged uh, as the winner. And, yeah. and, you know, he 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 had a nice first year sure. with the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, I, I went with Taylor Hearn, um, and we've kind of talked about this. Uh, his his development, what, what he was able to do to turn himself into a starter, he ended up winning the Richard Dirt Hardest uh, Working Man Award yep. for his efforts but also just kind of the context of the season when you're trying to find out and find guys, the Rangers potentially have found a guy who could be a major league starting pitcher for the next five or six years. Absolutely. And I just think that that, that weighed on my, my decision on the vote. Who'd and, you vote uh, for? I voted for Taylor. You voted for yeah. Taylor as pitcher of the year. Yeah. Okay. Who and, was your hardworking man? Uh, that I, my, mine was Ibanez. Ibanez. Okay. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, his, his, his story that we went, good story. Just, went through. Yeah. It is yeah. A good, it's a good story. I, in Hearn, you know, I, I was so, when you think about Hearn's first start in Seattle, when they first called him up, he didn't get out of the first inning, sat there and took it like a man, just flat. Turned out he was hurt. Um, yeah. then he comes back, comes out of the bullpen a little bit, um, after coming back from the injury and then, God, you cannot. You cannot argue with anything he did this year as far as uh, – uh, you've just got to take your hat off. And, yes, if that guy – if that guy's your fourth or fifth starter, you've got a damn good rotation if sure. that guy's your fourth or fifth starter. I'm sorry, 6'6", six, right. six, throws up in the upper 90s. Um, golly, that, that's good. Okay. Well, it, would, it, it would seem like he could be more than that too. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's what I'm saying. Even if he yeah. only develops into your fourth or fifth sure. starter – and at what he's pitching right now, the way he looks on the mound, if that's your fourth or fifth starter, you've got an amazing rotation. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, who's your best rookie not named Adolis Garcia? <laughs> well, I, I think I think we settled that with, with Andy Abanez. Yep. Uh, yep. But I, I would I would also uh, I would also throw in uh, Joe Barlow. I, I think that uh, that was a pretty significant uh, development as well. Yeah. He he just came in and you know, pitch a couple, pitch a couple games. All of a sudden he's the closer. Uh, I don't know that he's the closer in 2022 um, with, with, not with Jonathan Hernandez and Jose Leclerc uh, expected to come back, but he looks pretty steady there. And it looks like he, you know, for a rookie, he was unfazed and uh, definitely had the stuff. And so I think that uh, that that's a, that's another good one. So Abanez and then uh, Barlow will be my two. Yeah. Adolis rookies. And I, I totally agree on those. I tell you another name, and the and the numbers offensively weren't really there, but Jonah Heim had a really good to be considered a rookie behind the plate, yeah. framing pitches. He threw out runner. I mean, Jonah Heim had a good good year behind the plate. Yeah, he, there there was a that stretch there where he kept you know a lot of pass balls were getting past him, including a couple at the end of games. But um, um, yeah, you know, and and. Ke- you know, catching is, is so difficult and, and being a, a major league catcher is very difficult that, you know, guys will focus so much on the defense and it's more this year than it's more these days than just catching the ball and getting it back to the pitcher. It's, it's, you know, receiving and, and framing pitches. Uh, he's working with a mostly young pitching staff. So, uh, you know, a couple inexperienced people there in that, that situation at times. So um, anyway, the, at that point, the offense is kind of gravy, and I know they all want to hit, 
Um, but as he gets better and more comfortable behind the plate, the, the, the bat's going to pick up because sure. he'll be able to focus on it more and, and not, not go in so hard on the, on the defensive side. Okay. What was your favorite moment of the season? Um, you know, uh, I, I would probably say a is, uh, just, just that, that, that stretchy hand from when he debuted, what was it? It was April 14th. I think he debuted maybe the 13th, uh, really until that, that Astros series, uh, in, in May when they swept the Astros at home. Um, he just did everything. I mean, I, he, <laughs> every, everything he touched turned to gold and, uh, you know, he had that play against the Orioles and extra innings where he, a damn base hit to right field and he threw a guy out at home. Yep. You know, I, that, I, that's just stuff you don't see. And, and maybe it's because the Orioles are terrible and the base runner didn't know what he was doing, <laughs> but you still don't see it. And that, you know, the catch he, he made uh, that you referenced earlier the day on the David Fletcher ball in the last yeah. homestand, you don't see that stuff. Obviously that was uh, in, in uh, what late September, but just that stretch from his debut until really, uh, you could even go to the end of May. That, 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 was, that was a fun six weeks if, if you're, you know, a, a baseball fan and, and very, very likable guy. Yeah. Uh, that, I that's, agree. So that's probably my highlight or, or, or biggest moment. He had a lot of my, my favorite moments of the year. But, I, you know, I'm going to go outside of Adolis Garcia and say my favorite moment probably was the back-to-back walk-offs by Jonah Heim which sure. were pretty fun to watch that first night when he did it. And he, the way he threw the bat down when he was rounding first base was, yeah. you know, there wasn't a lot of things to get excited about as a Ranger fan this year. Let's be totally honest. That was fun though. That was a lot of fun watching Adolis Garcia play. That's a lot of fun watching what his effort on the field. And you can't help, but love effort on the field like that. When pure joy that Jonah had when that ball left yeah. and went over the fence was amazing. Yeah. And two nights in a row, he was just having a blast. And I, that, that has to be my favorite. Well, and, and you, you add the context of what had just happened. That was right after the trade deadline. So, yep. you know, this team had every reason to be, you know, looking at its wounds, losing its, you know, two best players and yep. uh, to, to win some games like that was, it was, was pretty fun. Yep. Worst moment. Um, I, the, I, I would I would say the trade deadline just you, you kind of knew it was coming at one point and uh, you, you you don't you don't want it to, to happen but it does um, you know you you we we didn't know Kyle Gibson particularly well because he hadn't been around for a while but uh, a tre- tremendous person uh, mm-hmm. you know active in the community yep. he'd been in Minnesota his whole career he comes here jumps right into the you know char- charitable uh, side here, uh, obviously it had a very good year, uh, on the mound. Um, so you, 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 you don't want to see a guy like that traded. And then, like I talked about earlier, I'd known, I've known Joey for a long, long time. And, uh, to, to see that happen and, um, to, to hear how he even, even the tears, you know, I think he was expecting it to hear the reality of it and the, the moment when, and how much it hurt him and how long he stayed in the clubhouse and, uh, all that stuff, you know, that's, that was a, that was a tough uh, couple of days. Yeah. And I, I agree on, on, on the, the, that, that's a tough deal. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, what it, it was heartbreaking to hear and you guys don't understand. Um, and you, we got to meet, uh, uh, Kyle this year for the first time last year it was all zoom calls. So you really got to yeah. talk to him in zoom calls this year. We actually got to go down to the, you know, in front of the dugout and he would come out always willing to stop and talk. 
and sit there and talk to you if you want to talk to him. Was friendly the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just just a nice guy. Joey always he always gave you time. Just a loved just a lovable guy. Great guy. I've got a picture of Joey back before I was covering him. We went to the the Frisco game afterwards. We're walking out down there where they came out. He stopped, took a picture. My kids were a little bitty back then. He was uh-huh. he he was skinny. Oh my gosh, he looked like a rail too. He was just a tall, skinny kid. So it was tough. That's got to be a tough one. Um, what do you think's the biggest off season question? If, if the ownership is going to put its money where its mouth is, or where you know they're they're speak they speak through John Daniels and then Chris Young, who've both said that the Rangers are going to be active and aggressive yep. uh, in free agency and they've got the money to spend and um, they just, you know, it just, ha- it just hasn't happened. They've, they've either come up short or they just flat haven't pursued guys in the past. And um, you know, the, the, the most recent one is uh, Anthony Rendon. The Rangers did, did not go to a seventh year and that, that ended up costing them. And yep. I know he, I know he was hurt this year with the angels, but, you, know, you can't say he would have been hurt if he had signed with the Rangers. So, right. um, so, th- so if that's your most recent memory about the Rangers pursuing big free agents, then that's a kick in the shorts. And so uh, you really, you know, I, I, I was trying to think when, when does this ownership group signed a guy to a, a really big, big contract? And you have to go back to, uh, to Chew. Adrian Beltre. Yeah. Beltre. And and Beltre. Uh, uh, you know, Beltre was the first one. And even then, uh, the, the word is that that some people had to be talked into giving Beltre that sixth year. Uh, Chu, who you know, seven years, one thirty. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that that was that was probably an overpay. Um, but Chu is a heck of a player. Yeah. I don't care what he says. Yeah. Uh, so, are they going to do that again? And are they going to do it for an arm? Um, maybe not this year because the class, you know maybe isn't as great as it might be in a couple of years, but um, we'll have to wait and see. There's a couple of bats they could go get. Now, look, you can money whip someone. Here's what I want to hear. Um, Like every Ranger fan has every right to say, yeah, well, let me see. You know, I've heard this before. Let me see. If we hear that someone turned down the Rangers and went somewhere else, but the money was at least the same, if not better, you cannot – fault the Rangers on that. You've got to say, yeah. okay, look, th- there's still more to be done, but hey, they ponied up and pulled out the wallet. It just, for whatever reason, it didn't go. And you and TR have talked about it. There are players that are just not going to come here after 102 losses, but if the money is the best money, they they will come. I think they'll come if the money's the best money. If it's close one way or the other, you, you better have a good sell going into that in, in your speech. Yeah, I, I don't think like I don't think Carlos Correa would come here. I, I just don't because he's won his whole career. You know, he he doesn't he doesn't want to take a step back. I, I wouldn't think he would. Um, what if the difference know, is twenty million dollars total? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. But Trevor's story is has has never won. Uh, he sure. probably wants to win. You know, would would he want to come and and. He's heard the same stuff in Colorado. Right. Sure. I was about to say, he's heard yeah. in Colorado that we were going right. to. So, yeah. you know, are they, is, is that something he's going to want to do, even though he lives 20 minutes from the ballpark? So I, I don't, I don't know. I just think it's going to be a tough sell, but you're right. If, if the Rangers are there with the money and somebody says, no, I'm going here, then you, you can't fault them for their effort. And, right. you know, 
maybe at that point you say, well, you should have spent more. I'm, I'm sure somebody would. But oh, well, if the money's commiserate and they're right there and they just lose out, you can't hold that against them. You, you, well, they will. But you and I knowing that you really can't, <laughs> if they really did pony up, you can't yeah. hold it against them. Everyone will because that's that's the, the mantra. You nature know? of the beast. Yeah, that's yeah. the nature of the beast. Okay, what are the biggest areas of concern? Well, uh, you know, and, and I, 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 I talk a, a lot about the minor leagues and write about the minor leagues and uh, all, all signs, not all signs, but most signs are indicate that they've got some guys coming. Right. But as, as, as TR said last week on our show, you got to land the plane. Yep. You got to get them there and they've got to produce. So, um, and you know, it, it can be like, a, I always compare it to like college football recruiting classes you know, you can have these five-star guys and, and the top recruiting class in the world. And John, as a, as a UT fan, you, you know, this, well, they don't, they don't always pan out and you got to develop them. <laughs> and these guys aren't as, these guys aren't as volatile as, as uh, 18 year old kids who've been, you know, spoon been told they, they're, they're the best players in the world. Right. Uh, they, ha- they haven't had to go through the minor leagues and ride a bus and stay at a motel six. I mean, they, right. you know, but you, you still, got to get these guys here and they still got to, they still got to produce. And I think Chris, Chris Young, the other day, I asked him kind of pointedly, you know, how do you weigh, like, if you have a prospect, like I said, third base, that looks like a sure thing. Are you going to invest in that as opposed to another position? He said, he said, prospect are, you know, we like our prospects, but they're still prospects. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, Hey, he, he's been around long enough to know there, there are no sure things in baseball. And, um, I, I, you know, I think Josh Young is going to be a very, very good player. Um, but there, there are no guarantees, you know, the, the, all these pitchers they have lined up, they're, uh, they're, uh, you know, a pop in their elbow away from not being ready for a couple more years. So, well, you know, you gotta, you kind of gotta hold your breath on that. Absolutely. And look, and a prime example of that is the signing of Adrian Beltre. They weren't looking for a third baseman. They had Michael Young at third base. They were going after Cliff Lee. He spurned them, said, no, he was going to go back up to Philadelphia. The idea of, of, you know, no one, none of us were thinking about Adrian Beltre. Maybe y'all did as a fan at the time, we weren't thinking Adrian Beltre was on the table. We were looking for a, a, an ace starting pitcher and Cliff Lee yeah. had just done that and led him through the playoffs to the world series. That's what you're thinking. Then all of a sudden the name Adrian Beltre comes up and it's like, really? No, really? Cause they got Michael Young. Then he's saying, Hey, I'm willing to move to first. So like Chris Young said, yes, Josh Young looks like the third baseman of the future, but that doesn't mean if a deal presents itself for the uh, unbelievably stud third baseman, you, you know, Josh Young could play other positions, uh, yeah. you know, or maybe that person can play other positions. I mean, you take what's in front of you that I, I saw where, you know, they're going to have the third pick in the draft this coming up uh, next summer. And someone talked about Josh's little brother, Jace. We don't need another yeah. middle infielder. I'm like, if Chase Young's there and he's the best player on your board, I don't care what he plays. That's who you take. <laughs> you yeah. take the best player. This is baseball. Sure. This isn't. We don't need a cornerback. You know. <laughs> so yeah, and, they, and they don't and they don't play right away. No, I mean, they they have to go to the minor leagues and develop. So right. You draft now. If you draft a college, a, a polished college infielder, you expect him in the major leagues in two or three years. Yeah, sure. quicker. Yeah. But, you know, these guys are athletic enough and smart enough. They can move around. Um, but anyway, I, I, like I said, I feel good about the farm system. But until you, until you see it, it's kind of like, you know, the Rangers need to put their money where their, their mouth is and free agency. 
you know, it, it is a concern. Yep. Well, you know what? Next week, I want to talk about maybe some possible free agent targets, whatever. You've said somebody you think we're probably going to get on. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope so. I mean, we yeah. don't, we're not going to advertise it till the guy, you know, until the guy, uh, till the guy admits that, that he can come on. And then even then we always put the note in there. Things can change because they can, yeah. things can happen. But before we go to my, before we go to Chris Woodward, uh, I think next week, let's talk about some free agents who we, somebody that maybe they're not talking about anybody. We can look at the, the free agents that are out there and kind of see what, what might be and who might be out there. All right, that sounds good to me. I'm, I'm game. All right, well, let's go to Chris Woodward right now and get him on here. All right, and joining us right now from, I guess he's home now. He is back home, is the manager of the Texas Rangers, Chris Woodward, and he is uh, in between doing husband duty and dad duty um, and a garage door, apparently, that didn't work when he first got home. Chris, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to get home. Obviously, we got a lot to do with the, with the Rangers, but – um, it's nice to kind of take a couple of days, you know, like I said, fix some garage doors, play some lights, <laughs> maybe some doors, <laughs> some door jams. There's a lot of little things obviously to do as every husband knows, but it is good to be home. I'll tell you how to fix a garage door. Let's call somebody else to do it. Yep. We did. Good. <laughs> I got all kinds of grease and, you know, maybe cut my fingers in half trying to get that garage, trying to get the things back on. And we just said, you know, what? Oh, yeah. no, we, don't, we, don't need, we don't need that. We don't need that. I, I work with my fingers, so yeah. I can't. I can't my it. wife learned a long time ago. I'm not her dad. We need to call a professional. That's go. right. That's right. So good to be home. Are, are you? Are, have you? Have you uh, decompressed from the season, or does it take? Or does it take longer than five days? You know, I. You know, I think as a maybe as a coach, it was a little easier to kind of come home and just kind of shut off we we got too many things to do so yes i mean like yesterday i obviously got some sleep it was funny we got in we flew back yesterday after having a ton of meetings um the last couple of days in texas and my son had a double header yesterday so it was perfect you know i told the coach i'm like because i i'll help coach a lot of times i'm like listen i'm not doing anything today i'm just gonna sit and i actually had a beer had some chicken fingers and fries and just was a dad um for two games which was really nice so um, but yeah, there's, there's too much to do. There's too much to do in the organization. It's exciting, but at the same time, like we gotta, we gotta, you know, check a lot of things and, and make sure we're doing things right. But also we have some people to hire. Uh, we're going to have a lot of, uh, interviews to have to kind of conduct. And, um, you know, that, that's always the hardest part at the end of the season. And obviously a year, like we had this year, a lot to reflect on, uh, what we could have done better and how we're going to do it better. Um, so it's just, there's too much, too many things going on. I, I, I know as a beat writer, what it feels like on the last day of the season, but I can't imagine what it feels like for a player, a, or a, or a manager or a coach. I mean, it's, it's the end of a massive journey, obviously, but you gotta be just a vegetable at that point. That's um, mentally maybe a little bit, you know, listen, I think, I think every year, you know, the one thing I, you know, I try to express to our players and I took a lot of pride in as a player is, you know, building up that mental resiliency, that mental toughness and, it's something I talked about a lot with the guys, you know, maybe with two or three weeks left in the season, you could tell guys were fried. You tell a lot of our younger guys hadn't played this many games, hadn't really gone into September. And I kind of, you know, told them point blank, like if this was a, a pennant chase, you would naturally have a little bit more energy, but you, you got to be able to, to trust your processes at that point. You got to be able to trust, you know, your, your mental preparation, your physical preparation. And, it, and if, if you're already tired now, can you imagine playing an October game like tonight? 
you know, we got everything on the line. This is when you actually want to be your best. So I don't think it's talked enough about, to be honest with you, um, in, in my career. You know, we just kind of talked about, oh, we'll just kind of elevate our game when we need to. That, that's not the case. And, and as a coach, I actually got a lot of, uh, you know, you know, seeing that outside of my own, you know, as a player, I was in the playoffs a few times. Um, you know, you're so worried about yourself and trying to, you know, make sure you're in the best position possible. You, you, you look around at your teammates, but as a coach, like you're aware of everybody and what they do and how they do it. And not only that from all year, and then all of a sudden you see these, you know, great players or, or players try to change things or, or try to take on all of a sudden more information or more understanding of things, you know, and all of a sudden the things are, are so meaningful, they just get overwhelmed and, and then they get anxious. They, they can't really execute. And you see these great players just crumble. And then you see these other players who are just kind of average guys that just do what they do. They do what they do. They, they have great processes all the way throughout the year and then they get in the playoffs and they're like, I'm going to stick to those. Um, you know, obviously that's, it's more meaningful that games are you know more important, but I'm not going to change who I am. Um, I'm just going to have the same plan of attack against that pitcher or against that hitter. And honestly, that's, that's why obviously philosophically speaking, I try to push that on our players as much as possible, try to see them, help them understand what, what it's like to play now, right now, October, you played for eight months. You've had an entire off season to prepare for this season. Now you play for eight months straight, including spring training and to try to perform at your best when everybody's watching, every other team is at home watching you, every other player, scout, you know, family member, all these people, and, and you got to play your best. Um, how do you do that? Are you ready to do that? I think is the question. Well, and I think if there's a positive, I'm sure there are positives in, in this season. The big one is that these guys got through that. There were guys who went wire to wire, who went 162 for the first time, went through some bad stretches, had to learn how to be consistent, stuff like that. So I think as you look to next year, that's got to be one of the biggest things you, you take away from this year. Yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was critical for these guys to get that experience um, and then kind of you know, navigate through it, talk to them through it, you know, stand by their side. You know, there was a lot of times when I just, you know, we kind of as a staff just let them, you know, fly on their own. You have to see if they can, you know I mean, if they can withstand it. And obviously always guiding them and kind of being there to kind of pick them up when they fall. But um, some of these things we can't, they got to play the game. They got to go out and compete and, and know where they're, you know, they go through some struggles and, you know, Kiner is a pretty good example of that, you know, for a couple of weeks and a month and, you know, kind of kept, kept snowballing a little bit and he got himself out of it um, through a lot of dialogue, a lot of conversations, but those are, I think that was probably the hardest thing of this year because we had so many guys in that position. Uh, normally you have like two or three or, you know, maybe a couple of pitchers and a couple of position players that have to kind of navigate through, but we had an entire roster full of guys. So I felt like the most days, there wasn't enough time in the day. Um, I'm trying to have an in-depth conversation. It was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta cut this one a little bit short um, because I gotta get to the next guy or I gotta get to the next guy. And, and, and I know our staff felt the same way, but you know, nobody quit. They kept fighting um, all the way through the end and we're still having dialogue now. I think, I think guys who probably benefited from it the most were, were uh, Nathaniel Lowe, Kiner Falefa, uh, and, and even Adolis, because I think Adolis there in the second half after, you know, and another thing people don't understand is the all-star game is not a break for players who get selected. It's three days of, of running around. And yeah. so anyway, I think that those three have a chance to, to gather their thoughts and, and kind of take a leap next season. Yeah. And that's, that's this year. absolutely. And I, and I think you hit the nail on the head with those three guys. And listen, there's the, the other guys around, I'm not taking anything away from them. The Solax and some of these guys that got a lot of the bats and, and played a lot, but those three guys, 
you know, it was, it was critical that they they kind of had to find themselves. And, it, you know, I was proud of Lowe because he, you know, he had some struggles with certain, you know, with fastballs and with different, um, you know, things, but he, he stayed consistent and he actually made some adjustments and had a really good, you know, last month, last month and a half. Uh, Adolis, he was probably the one I hammered the most as far as like staying, you know, disciplined mentally. Um, you can see he was expanding the strike zone. He was chasing, he was doing some things uh, that we knew that was always going to kind of plague him. Uh, but he had to fight through it. And I, and I think we're going to get a fresher, um, you, know, you know, better prepared version of him going into next year and knowing what to handle. I think it was, you know, I, I don't want to knock him down a peg after being an all-star, but I think the expectations and like you said, Jeff, with all the, the hoopla, the all-star game, he never truly got a rest, uh, which it is what it is. I mean, that's part of being a, a good player. There's part of, you know, there's more responsibility. There's more, you know, people in your, in your corner. There's more distractions. Uh, the, the better player you become and learning how to handle all that. You have to have a really solid foundation about who you are as a player. And, and that's what I was trying to provide for him, uh, you know, obviously throughout the season and say, know who you are, know what you have to do every day in your preparation. And you can tighten it up at times and you can you know, make it a little tighter. You're going to have to do this interview or that interview or, or whatever. Um, but to handle all those responsibilities and then you have all these family members and friends and all these people trying to get in your corner um, and you want to obviously it's a dream of yours to play in the big leagues and to be a star. And so when you're put on that pedestal, it, you, you sometimes lose sight of the baseball side. You sometimes lose sight of all the things that got you to that point, um, especially in his case. You know, he came into camp with a chip on his shoulder to make the team to be the best player he could. Um, so having to go through all that and kind of get his butt kicked there for a while and then finish strong, uh, that'll be really good for him going into next year. Yeah, and and you know when you when you kind of look at the the roster, and I think you can identify some guys who have a chance to stick around going forward. Um, I think the biggest development, I think you you've said this was Taylor Hearn. I just, yeah. I you know six foot six left handed starters that throw in the mid nineties just don't yeah. throw on trees. And I I don't know that he's going to be a pitcher going forward, but I think he gave you guys the most promise i mean i, I don't know the, the, it seems Turn like around. his upside is, is about as, as big as, he, as you can get from from this roster yeah and i and i and i talked to him about that you know just to, you know i'm really proud of his development and growth as a man honestly like you know we see the the development as a player and you see this you know he always talked about being a starter but he's willing to do whatever we needed uh, came into camp you know saying that you know i i've not given up my opportunity to be a starter i want to i want to keep that on in, in your guys' mind. He, he was very open about that, um, but not in a way that was disrespectful or, you know, I need to start at all costs. You know, he said, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll have to pitch out of the bullpen to start. That's fine. And that's, that's what happened. And, and to see him just kind of become comfortable and, and, and be really, really comfortable in his own skin on the mound um, was, was so satisfying as a, as a leader. And, and then I know Sags and Doug and everybody that had their hand and, in, in kind of, you know, creating, you know, this Taylor, this version of Taylor Hearn, um, you know, and then honestly for him, he's, you know, got to be so proud of the, the work that he's put in on all fronts. You know, the, what he, the way he handled himself last year with, with the social injustice, you know, took the lead on that in our clubhouse. Um, as eloquent of a speaker as he is, you know, you guys have heard him, you know, on Zooms and, and, and this guy's a very, very smart, intelligent, you know, really good quality young man. And, does a ton of stuff in the community and this these are the things that i've talked to him about you got a chance to really change um things you know in our society and and, and i'm really proud of that and, and i said i'm not putting pressure on you to, to to be like a dominant all-star every year i'm just saying 
you continue to be you. You continue to understand what makes you successful, but off the field, I will help in any way. We, you, will, you will rally your teammates. He cares for his teammates. He's got a ton of compassion for the people in the community, a ton of empathy, and uh, I couldn't be more proud. And to see him stand on that mountain and fully trust in who he is now, um, it's just so satisfying, As like I said, as his manager, just to, to hand on the ball and watch that. I, I think what you're talking about, Taylor, is kind of another ob objective of this season was to, to to learn about the guys and, and who's going to fit the culture that you want. And and I think sometimes you talk about, you know, when, when people talk about chemistry and culture, they kind of some, some people might roll their eyes. Right. But I mean, you guys are with you guys are with each other more than you are with your families. I mean, you got to you got to I, I don't I that's. I think that's lost a lot on people. So why do you think culture is so important? Um, yeah, well, listen, I mean, it, it, it doesn't show up when you look at our record and you're like, oh, they, they won 60 games and lost 102 games. And, you know, one of the biggest things when I got here was was about culture and, you know, creating a space and environment where, where every player, every staff member can come in. And there's expectations, there's high expectations, there's high standards in how we live our lives, how we treat people, um, how we prepare, uh, the dedication we have the resiliency, the positivity every day. Um, and I'm not saying I come in smiling every day. There was a lot of days where I came in and I was, I was as frustrated as I've ever been, but I, I think people needed to see that. You know, our, our staff needed to see that. Our players needed to see that. There's, there's expectations on how we do things. Um, and I'm not going to expect, you know, Jeff Wilson, you to be a, a Barry Bonds type player, like if that's not your capability, but I do expect you to, to be able to be a ball player and, and, and hustle and, and prepare and run, run balls out. Um, get a guy over from second to third, like those are baseball things. So um, I think from a cultural standpoint, like, you know, I, I've learned this year, obviously you need more experience um, and, and maybe a little more talent in, in places to, to truly win. But if we had, you know, maybe a little bit more experience in a lot of these guys, our record would have been better. Um, they stuck together, they played hard. And when you believe in something as a group, uh, you can see it with Seattle a little bit this year, they defied a lot of their, expectations and, and even their numbers didn't make sense a lot of people were like what, what's going on here they believed they're going to win every night uh, there was a belief there that they, they, they believed whoever was up to bat was going to get a big hit whoever was on the mound was going to give them outs and, um, when we get truly things aligned and, and we get the right pieces in place and, um, and and like i said get these guys some experience and some belief amongst each other then they start playing for something bigger than themselves and i think when that happens that's when truly great things happen. And it, it, you can have a great team. And there's been so many examples of, of great players on teams that weren't great teams. Um, you know, you have the, a collection of these great players and I, I'm not going to name a few in the big leagues right now, but they have a ton of talent, you know, arguably some of the best players of their positions and they didn't win, you know? So it, it goes to prove, you look at what the giants have done and, and obviously the Dodgers, I, I was there. I know what that clubhouse is like and, um, but it could always be better even in those cases. It could have been better in LA when I was there. Uh, but we had a great team. So I'm going to constantly push for that. But when you get guys like Taylor Hearn and, and, and some of these guys that Joe Barlow, who have made some huge strides in their life, uh, and they start preaching that every day. Every day these guys walk through the door, they can't wait to compete with one another. And when that's the case, you got something truly special. And you start adding talent to that, like significant talent. That's when you can, uh, you know, you get into this situation in October where every game is important. You, you lean on one another, you win. I know, I know how much this drives you crazy. You kind of talked about it, not not winning games. I mean, you you don't send up a lineup card or a pitcher out to the mound trying to lose. So how how are you keeping your wits about you? Uh, that was probably the biggest challenge for me personally. 
Um, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not one that I don't like to look at, you know, uh, um, <laughs> I think I'm better at looking at somebody else subjective, you know, uh, objectively, uh, if I look at another team and say, Hey, that team is not capable of winning because of this, 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 it was really hard for me to kind of look at our team and see the lack, you know, lack of experience. And some days I would look at our roster, our roster versus, you know, maybe the Houston Astros roster and go, man, this is, this is an uphill climb a little bit, but they're still men. They're still got to go out and compete and, you know, we can jump on them, you know, first inning and we can punch them in the mouth and they may fold like, and that happened a few times, you know, we had some, some good moments, especially against that team, but you know, most of the time as a betting man, you know, those things are going to play out in the end. And, and I think that, that was probably the hardest thing for me to kind of accept at times this year. I never did fully accept any loss. Uh, always looked at every loss as a, as a, as a, as a chance to kind of do something, um, send some sort of message after the game to somebody, to the team, to something to say, Hey, look, we didn't, we didn't win today because we didn't do this. Um, so it just gives them you an opportunity to kind of teach, uh, and, and I didn't want to waste any game this year on that. So I thought that that was our biggest test as a staff was to just continually address things and make sure without, you know, listen, it was, there was losses kept piling up and when we lose nine or 10 in a row on the road, it's like, okay, do we take a day off from that? Do we just kind of let these guys breathe a little bit and be like, Hey, just, it is what it is that we are where we are, you know? And I, it was, that was the hardest fight every day because there was so much to address on a daily basis without overwhelming them and making them feel like they couldn't go out and compete and win the next day. That's probably the biggest thing. I know you guys don't like to put numbers on anything, but I think there's an expectation you guys will win more next year. Um, yeah. Even, even if you don't land the big free agents, but um, just, it looks like the rotation is not quite there. Like the guys in the minors aren't quite there. So it looks like that's where you might have to, address do some serious addressing during the off season um i think both uh, yes I, I think you know it's hard to go into to next year relying on some of the guys listen I, i'm really proud of what they did when they got here but you look at you know taylor and, and dane dunning kind of stand out as two that probably have solidified themselves as a real opportunity to be in our rotation um and then the glenn autos and you know even aj alexi uh you know some of these guys are, they, they're gonna have to take a step forward and then there's going to be some decline at times. There's going to be some some ups and downs uh, through all those guys, to be honest with you. Um, we're going to have to navigate through an entire season next year with these guys. Uh, but I, I do think we need to add uh, a couple of, you know, obviously some stabilizers, you know, maybe on the front end of the rotation and, um, yeah. you know, depending on where our money's at. But, I, you know, I think on the on the offensive side is probably where the big, big dollars potentially might go. Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, and that's, that's necessary. Obviously, our offense hasn't hasn't been as uh, productive for the last couple of years, and some of that's due to inexperience uh, or lack of experience. And you know, we need these guys to take the next step forward in, in a lot of ways. But I think both sides of the ball obviously have to. You know, we're going to have to spend a little bit of money. All right, uh, John, take over. Yeah, I, I think I've asked all the baseball questions. Yeah, yeah, mine's more fun stuff. I I will say this. You know, somebody that's covered them now for three years, going into this offseason, even though the record. It's nowhere near what you wanted or anybody. I seem to get a vibe from a lot of people that are always commenting. You know how they are, Jeff. They, mm -hmm. they tend to be a little more excited about this offseason. I think it's because everyone's saying we're going to make moves, and I think they've really seen at the upper level of the minor leagues there is talent there. There's something coming, and I think yeah. they're starting to see maybe the process. So I will say that it's even though the record was nowhere near what you wanted, I think the vibe is it certainly looks like 
this is starting to go the right way. And so for you, I can say, I know you've got to feel better, but I, I can't imagine being the coach <laughs> of a team that, that goes bad. I know that was, that that's hard, but it is nice to see things turning. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it is a problem. And, and I'll be going to be completely frank here. It was not where we want to be. No, you know I mean? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm as positive as it comes. And I was, we sucked. Like we, we did not play well. Um, and, and I'm not pointing any fingers or making any excuses. We got to be better. Sure. Um, that's just, it's just, it is what it is. Um, whether we won, you know, 95 or, or lost 95 today, this year, or lost 102, it was still not a good year. Right. Um, but there is some, you know, things are starting to materialize and, and listen, there's a lot of question marks that have to be answered, sure. you know, in the organization, to be honest with you, like, yep. is the, is this the proper, have we done it right? And there, these are, these are questions that, that are going to have to be answered as we go. Um, you know, are we going to, we've been talking about signing guys. Are we truly going to do that? So I think, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I wouldn't say pressure. There's always pressure. Um, yeah. And I welcome that. I, I welcome that as a manager. I, listen, I, I'd love to go into next year with, Hey man, this guy's got to get it done. It's been there for three years. It's fourth year. He's got to get it done. Like, and I'm fine with that. Yep. Uh, I want our players to feel the same way. There's got to be a sense of urgency, um, but I, it's not a panic. It's just a sense of urgency to say everything matters. All the little things that we do matter. When we do PFP, when we take BP, everything's got to have a purpose behind it to win games. Um, and I can point out a bunch of things that we didn't do, um, you know, in game, there's a lot of progress off the field, you know, maybe in the tunnel and the cage and stuff, but that's got to translate at some point to wins on the field um, and be able to execute. But as far as the, the organization goes, it's, you know, there is, there is a lot, there should be a lot to be positive about. Um, we got a lot of people coming there, you know, I'd like to fast forward some of these guys a year or two. <laughs> um, I'd like to see where they stand in, in two years. Um, but there are going to be contributors, hopefully, in some capacity, you know, next year. Some will be all year. Some will be part of the year. Um, but to see these guys coming and, and know they're coming, and there's like a wave of guys. And that's, I guess, you know, the good part of finishing the second worst record last year and this year being the third worst. Like, we're going to get some good draft picks. Sure. We're going to have some quality players. And we've made some trades over the last couple of years for some really good, you know, obviously we traded away really good players to get some guys that maybe fit our timeline a little bit better. Right. That's always hard as a manager to swallow knowing <laughs> that we're going to lose games and, you know, you have to lose a guy like Lance Lynn and, you know, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy and Joey Gallo, like these, it hurts. Like, you know, we poured a ton of resources and, and time and energy and just, you know, care into these guys and to see them go and, and you know, help somebody else win. It, it stings a little bit, but um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the guys we got in return. Like I said, they fit our timeline a little better. Yeah. Uh, when do we want to win? We go into next year, we got more reinforcements. The year after, we got a ton of reinforcements, and then we just go from there. Um, but there's a lot. There's a lot of pressure. We got to like we got to make sure this actually turns out right. All right. Well, let's turn it to some fun now. So you grew up in Covina, California. Yep. Did you play any <laughs> other sports in high school? Um, I did. I played football and, and basketball. Probably better basketball player than anything else but i wasn't uh six five so i figured uh, baseball would probably a better a better career opportunity but loved all sports um loved football basketball played dabbled in every sport pretty much um at some point in my life but uh, baseball was obviously where the true love came yeah and yeah. So, go ahead jeff what yeah we had a we got we finally got a clubhouse tour and i peeked in your office saw that big kobe bryant jersey so there's your basketball <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Big Laker fan. Obviously being, you know, Dallas now, it's, uh, you know, we share, you know, the, the, 
the cities and you know the area, the, the DFW area. You know, I have a ton of respect for for those organizations, and obviously the Cowboys and Mavs. I've become fans of. Um, they're they're our neighbors. Yeah. You know I mean, they're we yeah. share the like I said the the area with them. Uh, had a chance to talk to Jason. I haven't talked to McCarthy yet, um, but you know, really respect obviously those organizations, and those are our fans. Our fan, a lot of our fans are fans of those teams. Sure, um, definitely grew up a big Laker fan. Uh, definitely not a Clipper fan. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Lakers and Clippers, and you know, I grew up in the uh, the NWA, you know, Tupac, Snoop Dogg era. So it was Raiders and Lakers, um, or you didn't uh, walk away without bruises. <laughs> you, you weren't fans of those teams where I grew up. Well, let oh, me man. let me ask you this: so uh, you were drafted. It's not even anymore. They don't even have fifty four rounds. You're drafted in the fifty fourth round by the Blue Jays. So unlike it is today, where were you? How did you find out you'd been drafted? Uh, well, it's kind of a, and I don't know if you have time for that, but it's it's kind of a long story. Like I I grew so my sophomore year I was a five four, junior year was five eleven, almost six foot to where I am now, and um, that was a big. You know, I was a good player, had a good arm, but I was little. You know, I mean, I was always the smallest guy on the team. And then for some reason grew seven or eight inches, um, literally over, you know, b- before the next year. And I didn't feel it or, you know, I just all of a sudden became tall and gangly. And I was like, whoa, like what, what's going on? <laughs> you know, arm strength became better. I became a better hitter. So going into my, my junior year, I had a good junior year and kind of some scouts started talking, but I still didn't think professional baseball was like truly an option. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, school was, I was pretty, I wanted to be an engineer. I, there was things that I, I had to, you know, I was like, hey, baseball is great, but I don't, I'm not going to put all my eggs in one basket. So, you know, senior year had a really good senior year, but I was still a 17 year old senior. So, yeah, you know, the, the getting drafted, I was just, I got a call literally after the season ended and, and I'd already kind of planned to go to a, a different college. Um, it was, a, it was four year, but it was, you know, more of an engineering thing, to be honest with you, um, I was going to go play baseball, but they didn't have much of a baseball program. And then once I got drafted, everybody kept, you know, came out of the woodworks and called and, um, had a long talk with my agent and, or my, uh, my scout didn't even have an agent. I didn't really have anybody to help me, um, to, to help me what, what choices I had. And a lot of the colleges that called, I didn't like, they were kind of, I was going to get some fluff degree, underwater basket weaving or something to go with my baseball. And I was like, yeah. I didn't want to do that. And the, the schools that actually had good engineering programs with good baseball programs were far too expensive. They yeah. were like, USC, Arizona state, like some of these schools, like I couldn't afford you know, five grand, let alone 50 grand a year. Um, so went to junior college for one year after I got drafted. I, I knew I wasn't going to, you know, sign. I was, you know, even my scout said that, like, we don't have any intention to sign you just yet, but it was a draft and follow. Back then they did the that. Yeah. Was They don't do that anymore, obviously, for, for different reasons. But um, played one year junior college just to see if, see how it would play out in baseball and um, had led the state of California and hitting, you know, grew a ton, you know, got a lot better you know, junior college in, in California is pretty competitive. So uh, to, to play that well, a lot of scouts said I probably, I don't know where I would have been drafted, but maybe in the top five rounds. Because, um, I mean, there was 50 scouts at every game in those games. I had a really good year. Uh, but I signed before the draft. So I, I literally signed as a 54th rounder, even though I could have, you know, financially it was the stupidest thing I ever did. Um, signing before the draft, but I just wanted to play ball. Yeah. You know, just, just try it out. They promised to pay for my schooling if I ever went back. Um, so it's just, it was a weird kind of scenario setup. Like I said, I didn't really have anybody guiding me. My mom talked me into signing, you know, on really? the first day, she's like, Hey, you know, you, you don't know if you're gonna get this opportunity. Should have went into the draft, but I didn't. And it's like, 
they treated me like gold all the way through. Yeah. The Blue Jays did. So it never became really an issue. Now, I've heard you talk about this before. So you and Michael Young grew up in the same city. Now, y'all didn't go to high school together. Did y'all no. know each other or were you just competitors playing against each other? No, we, we, I knew him uh, far more than he knew me. Uh, <laughs> you know, we actually went to uh, junior high together. Okay. Uh, we didn't go to the, yeah, we didn't go to the same elementary school. Um, you know, he went to a different elementary school, but you know, I knew of Michael Young. Like he was, everybody knew of Michael Young. Honestly, <laughs> one of my best friends, um, you know, Bobby Platt was, was one of my best friends. He was like a legend um, as well as a youth, as like, you know, 11, 12 year old, they were him and Michael Young were the two by far best players. Um, but Michael like looked a lot like I did, like we were similar size, um, some, you know, just kind of looked the same, similar body type, you know, similar action. He was just, I mean, he was so good as a, as a, as a younger player. So when we got into junior high, we obviously knew each other and, and, and played, you know, we were friends, you know, pretty good friends in junior high, but he, he, he sold out and, and went to a, a private school and I went to, <laughs> he was supposed to go to my high school, just put it that way. Okay. He kind of sold out and went to this private school. They probably gave him a BMW and all that stuff. <laughs> we should have had that down. That's team. a question we'll ask him. Okay. We should have had a great team my senior year or my, my junior, senior year. Um, he should have been a part of that, but he, he sold out and went somewhere else. So. But he was, he, he was like a block away from you, right? I mean, it was. Yeah, at one point. We yeah, moved a lot when I was a kid, but there was, you know, for probably six months, you know, that one of the houses that I actually moved to, we were within, yeah, I mean, I, I could have thrown a ball, you know, maybe yeah. if I had a better arm to his, <laughs> like it was that close. Okay. <laughs> now, yeah. when you were, so you get called up to the big leagues, you're, you go through the, the organization, you're drafted, and you, you go through, and I think 94 you were drafted, right? And you yep. signed that next year, 99, June of 1999, you're called up. Now, this has got to be huge for anybody. I don't care who you are. Well, you made it to the big leagues. Where were you at? How did you find out you were going to the big leagues? Um, so I was actually – so in 99, I started in AAA that year. And, and you know, I, I kind of had a feeling – I never even went to big league camp. I, I never – I never. the only guys I ever met on the big league team were, like, rehab guys. Yeah. So but they didn't do it the way they do it now. Now it's, you know, shoot, we got guys coming to big league camp or, or at least coming over to play with the big league team that – you know, we know we're never going to play in the big leagues. Right. Uh, right. So I never even got a rep in a big league game in spring training. Didn't go to big league camp that year, even though I was the starting shortstop in AAA. So it's just, it's different than the way it is now. Yeah, that, that would never happen now. I would have definitely been invited to camp. Um, so going into the season, I am literally the backup shortstop to the big league shortstop. <laughs> Who was the big league shortstop? Uh, Alex Gonzalez. Okay. All right. Um, not the Florida Marlins one, the, yeah. The other Alex and yeah. um, so anyways I go into camp and you know have a good year I'm, I start off and, and I'm hitting really well I'm playing good defense and you know Alice goes down well I got hurt I like I always did I always pulled muscles and you know pulled a growing so I, I came back and as I was kind of coming back he got hurt again and so he had to go on the, the DL this time and so when I was when I was rehabbing they sent me to Florida all of a sudden, as soon as the day he got hurt, they actually sent me to Florida to, to, to rehab there instead of stay with the, the AAA team. So at that point, I knew I was like, okay, something, something's different. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they were kind of treating me a little different, making sure they kept asking me every day, how you doing? How you doing? Like, how long do you think? And they're kind of, you know, he's on the IL and, and Homer Bush at the time was playing shortstop in the big leagues, who's not a shortstop. Yeah. And he was making all kinds of, you know, errors and, you know, he just, it was unfair to him. So I knew... I got sent back to AAA the day I was, I said I was ready. I kind of had a feeling 
but the the manager pat kelly at the time you know we had a terrible game that night and i didn't even play i i got, I got sent to AAA, but i didn't play i got there kind of right before game time so i didn't play that night but he called me in the office after the game and he was hot like he we <laughs> played terrible and he let us know after the game and so he called me in and basically said like you know among some curse words like are you freaking ready to play you know I said yeah i said absolutely i said i was ready to go today i would have played um he goes well i don't i don't think you can play for me man i don't think you belong here um you know and i he's you know he's tough to read at that point so i was like what's going on like, why are we is this happening right now like i'm actually getting sent down like from triple a and then that's when he told me i got called up so it was, right. uh, it was a cool way to do it um it gave me a little bit of angst for sure uh, but yeah i mean it was you talk about a dream it was just like you know surreal made my debut in uh in, in uh, shea stadium you know interleague play so my first ball is at the time they had national league and american league balls so my first hit ball is actually a national league ball you know <laughs> american league um but yeah face oral exercise my first game like growing up in la it was all just kind of bizarre you know my wow. was catching it was just yeah it was it was strange it was a strange uh I didn't even know if it was real. You know, I thought I was going to wake up. Someone's going to pinch me. I'm like, oh, that was just a dream. That wasn't. That wasn't real. Well, let's let's end it on a fun note. Oh, did you have? Did you have one more thing? Jeff? Yeah. I, I, what was your favorite team? Favorite, favorite? No, no, no. Like that you played for. Your favorite. Um, I, I have. To, it's hard to not say the Blue Jays because obviously they gave me my chance. Like I said, they drafted me. They took a chance on a you know on a kid, a little skinny kid, you know, mm. from Kavina, um, and they were always kind of the first to talk to me. Um, so I appreciate that they saw something in me, you know, that let them take the chance on me. And, you know, they treated me like, gold. like I said, I, I signed my contract as a 54th rounder, regardless of what they, where I would have gone after, you know, the next, yeah. the next year, they, they still treated me, like I said, you know, like a top guy, I always played every day. Um, they were really, I got to the big leagues with them. I played most of my career with them, ended up finishing my career with them as well. Um, so it's hard to not say them, but I thought you know, the, the, the time I played in New York for two years, you know, we'll always kind of, I'll always remember it's the first time I played in the playoffs in 06, didn't play a ton in the, the playoffs, but it was just like being a part of that team and being a big yeah. part of the, the culture of that team. Uh, and just being able to play in that environment. Uh, I actually loved it there. I, I loved every minute of the, the fan base and they'll boo you, they'll cheer you. The, they're just super passionate about the game. Um, so that was probably the best experience I've had. You know, as a player, you know, I was actually still decent at that point. Um, uh, so it was, you know, I loved my time in Seattle, played a minute in Boston, which was really cool. But uh, I'd probably say Toronto and then probably New York. All right. Very cool. Okay. Well, we're going to end it on a, on a fun note. This is real easy. It's two questions that you got to answer. First, who was your first big league hit off of and where? And who was your first big league home run off of and where? And I know you remember these because they're your first. Who was it? Yeah. Oh, easy question. I thought it was gonna be harder than that. Um, so Oral Hershiser, like I said, was my first, you know, first guy I ever faced. And fortunate enough to first to bat, get up there, run on third, one out, first to bat. And I was like, oh. I was thinking about just going up an ambush and trying to hit a home run the first pitch. And I'm like, now I gotta get a job done. You know, we were, I think we were down a run or two at the time. So I hit a sack fly to center. So I was 0 for 0 with an RBI. Right. And then next to bat, second to bat, come up with the same scenario runner on third, one out, same runner. Jose Cruz was the same runner on third base. Um, and so I'm like, God, man, like every bat I get up there, like there's there's no freedom to, to just go up and try to launch a homer. 
and ended up getting a jam shot, like literally off my knuckles, space hit over the third baseman's head, driving another run. So I was going for one with two. You're all star. Yeah, you're all should star. Just quit. I should have just stopped them and just <laughs> sat on my numbers. Um, but that was obviously a cool moment. We ended up losing. We lost eight to two, but I drove in, you know, both runs. Um, so off a of, off a of, you know, Oral Hershiser was yeah. you know, icon and especially in LA. And then I got a chance to obviously talk to to Oral a lot in LA when I when I coached there. And I reminded him of that hit every day. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I could. Yeah. Uh, but first homer, Brad Radke. We were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, David Wells was pitching really well at the time. Uh, I came up with a runner on third, I think, uh, one out uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning. And we're up two to one at the time. And I had like, I remember just having a long bat against him. You know, he's got a really good changeup, Radke did. So I was kind of out in front of some pitches, pulling some balls foul, jam shot and, you know, knuckle sandwiches over the first base dugout, just trying to grind, trying to get that run in for third. And he just left a fastball kind of middle in and, you know, caught it good, hit a line drive, you know, pretty high down the left field line. I'm running around first, like not knowing if it's going to be a homer. And, you know, I heard it hit the back of the bullpen wall and it makes a pretty distinct sound. I was whoa, like I just hit my first homer right there. That was, that was kind of cool. Um, That ended up being the game winning homer or game winning runs because uh, david went back out for the ninth and gave up a run so we ended up winning four to two which was cool very nice. cool well listen nice. chris this has been awesome i appreciate you taking some time especially i know you're decompressing right now you got a lot of stuff you're about to get into mom's about to put you to work with the kids and all of that but man it's it's really great for you to stop down for a little bit and come on the podcast with us we really appreciate it and uh hey we'll try to get you back on here maybe before the season do some more fun stuff getting ready to go but that's Chris Woodward. Thanks a lot, Chris. No, absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. I love talking uh, talking baseball and talking with you guys all year. All right. Chris Woodward hey, with the yeah, Texas. I'll see you at Instructs. Yep. Yeah, he'll be out there at Instructs. I'll be there. That's Chris Woodward with the Texas Ranger manager. Thanks, Chris, for coming on. All right, folks, once again, we want to thank everybody for listening to this one. We got a big thanks out to Chris Woodward, who stopped and uh, talked to us here for a little bit. Alex Gordon, once again, who we went and talked to in the stands at the very last game. Uh, Until next time, guys, Jeff, we'll see you next week. Guys, see you at the yard.